When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. What is up, everybody? This is Adrian Hernandez of MileHighHockey.com and the Mile High Hockey <clears throat> Lab. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to talk all things Colorado Avalanche, as I like to say. I'm here today with Evan and Jacob. So far, we might have Ezra joining the program as well a little bit later on. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Avalanche hockey. If you like what you hear and see, um, head on over to Twitter. Be sure to follow us at Mile High Hockey and at MHH underscore lab. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff coming out of Avalanche camp as of late. And I think what I want to start with is um, just kind of the Darren Helm story and how he was spotted in a white jersey at morning skate today we're not sure if he'll play for sure but it was kind of an indication that he might i'll start with our managing editor evan evan uh if and when darren helm does return to the lineup where do you see him slotting in yeah first off it's great news that helm is in a white jersey to be honest when when it was announced that he'd you know re-injured himself back in what was it december or something yeah. like that after only playing a few games i was nervous for his career really i didn't think we i didn't think we can get him back at this point um so i he won't be in tonight i know bednar said that after morning skate oh he did say that okay Mm -hmm. yeah uh and the the goal apparently has been to have him play um in detroit on saturday interesting um so no place like home i guess i know no place like (laughs) home. what a place to return to so greatest red wing ever yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully it works out for him. I mean, the fact that he's in a in a white jersey and traveled with the team, I think, is already a a great sign. Um, and out of the non contact jersey as well. So I don't think I saw him like have any clips though where he was like actually like in drills with the team. Um, I don't I don't remember seeing anything. Um, I don't think I saw anything um like that. I did see. <clears throat> the just the picture that uh katie goss uh, shared on twitter mm-hmm. so that's kind of just what i was going off of as you can see i've put on the the video of him scoring <laughs> the game winning goal had sending us into the western conference final but i guess this kind of segues me into a different conversation and jacob i'll send it over to you if and when i think we have somebody joining the program too right now ezra what's up man thanks for joining hey. the program. Happy to have you, buddy. Happy to have you. Oh, no worries, man. Uh, But we were just talking. um, We were just talking about Darren Helm and kind of his potential return and how he fits into the lineup. I was just about to ask Jacob um, if and when, of course, he does do so. It seems like Eller and JT have secured that 2C, 3C area, and New Hook is now the 4C. How do you see that shaking up um, down the road? I mean, I have to imagine Helm would be uh, playing center, you know, especially since one of their biggest issues this year has been face-off dot. And, yeah. you know, you, you bring Helm back along with Eller and Comfer, all of a sudden, like the absent ter- could have, could turn a weakness into a strength there. Um, yeah. it's, it is a, a tough conversation to have because Bednar all year has talked about how much more he, he wants new hook in the middle. He thinks that lately he's been playing his, his best game in the middle. Mm-hmm. He loves what he's doing defensively. Um, you know, I don't think there's any danger of New Hook like getting, you know, being a healthy scratch in in any lineup. I think that New Hook is pretty much guaranteed a spot in any fully healthy yeah. Avalanche lineup. The question is just whether it's it's at center or wing. But you know, just given how the Avs laid this season out, you know, before the the avalanche of of injuries de- derailed it, you know, the idea was to have Helm be a, a key bottom six center. Um, you know, they. He, he was thinking about retiring last year. They they brought him back, so they they think very highly of him. Yeah. And so I would I would imagine he'd slot into center. But you know, Newhook has played well enough that it wouldn't surprise me if they just kept Newhook there and then you know had Helm take faceoffs and then flip to flip to winger once to get back into play. 
Yeah, I think we've seen Newhook have his most success at wing, at least early on in his career. I don't know how that'll change as his career develops. But um, Ezra, since you've you've so kindly joined the program just in time, actually, <laughs> I feel like because I think I remember correctly when we when we first talked about Eller's acquisition, you you were worried about how that might affect Newhook's spot uh, in the lineup. You didn't want to see him. Uh, move down to the fourth line like he is now. I think initially he was on the second line, but has since been moved um, to the fourth. What are your thoughts kind of on how uh, the center depth is stacking up and what does a playoff lineup look like to you um, if all things considered, everyone's healthy? Yeah, I mean, the the getting center depth is great. I think it's, it's, it's awesome that Eller has kind of meshed with O'Connor and Cogliano to form a, a nice checking line. Um, and I like that the usage that the fourth line has been getting, it's not the fourth line that we were seeing in, you know, earlier in the season where the fourth line's getting five minutes because it's Jacob McDonald and Curtis McDermott. Right. Um, it's it's a fourth line that actually gets to play. So it does seem like there's there's a decent balance in the bottom six and taking new hook, calling him a three C or a four C doesn't really matter, but taking him out of that center position doesn't seem like a good call to me. Uh, yeah. I, unless that does mean getting him play with uh, Ranton and McKinnon or something at the wing, because he seems like he's primed to break out if he gets that top six opportunity. Um, right. Helm fits the bottom six really well, but, and, and like Jacob said, he can take faceoffs while technically playing wing. If, if faceoffs from new are an issue, which, you know, he's not great at it, but they're not really like a big issue in my opinion. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see how he slots in. I think he probably bumps out Nieto if Malgin keeps scoring or Malgin if Malgin stops scoring. Yeah. And, and just to bounce off the face-off thing, it's like, I feel like it's only going to, ha- he's only going to take a face-off in the event that it's an icing or, or everyone's that actually, that might be the only way I can see new hook taking like a, an important face-off is if they have no choice, but to let him. Yeah. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I just kind of like think it's funny how all year it's been got to get 2C, got to get 2C, when we might have like six reasonably good NHL centers once everyone's healthy. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to have to find a place to put Alex Newhook because we're going to have too many centers. So that's going to be a good problem to have. Um, and, and not to mention Nathan McKinnon, who scored nine goals in the last nine home games. I mean, if he keeps going at this pace, what are we really worried about at at center anyway? Um, (laughs) That's just my opinion. Uh, Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I guess, and I'll go to you, Evan. What does the playoff lineup kind of look like to you? Um, Who's I guess my my question is, who's your healthy scratch uh, in the bottom six when everyone's healthy? Ooh, that is a that's a good question. I guess. All right, let me let me ask a question back. Is okay. Landis Gog back for the playoffs? Yeah, everybody's back. Say, everybody's say it's back. Game okay. one, everyone's here. Okay. Um, let's see, because then Erod would probably go down to the third line. Cogliano would go down to the fourth line. I think that that would leave either Nieto or Malgan stretched. I feel like at least yeah. just picturing it in my head anyway, because I'm imagining the typical top six. You know, Nichushkin, Rantanen, and Landis Gog, McKinnon. Yeah, uh, Confer, you threw up there, uh, Lekkinen. So you know those six are not moving anywhere, and then probably right. be Rodriguez, Newhook, O'Connor. And then see, I, I guess, don't know about O'Connor, yeah. and I, I no. think O'Connor might might be in the mix in terms of a healthy scratch, just mm, based on his production and matchups. Like if there's a matchup where it's like we know there's going to be a lot of space on the ice and a lot of scoring, like I think you give Mulligan's based on what we've seen currently from Morgan. I think you give him the ice time, um, hoping that you don't have to rely too much on the PK, uh, you know, the PK. That's just kind of my thoughts on the matter. Ezra, do you think that that makes sense? Like those three guys, I think, I think you're onto something there, Evan. I mean, I think the, the, if, if we're putting Helm and Landis Gog into the lineup, then the only thing that makes sense to, to sit, the only people that make sense to sit to me would be, Nieto and Malgin, because you do need O'Connor at penalty okay. killer. He's so good at it. Yeah. He, he is essential to that penalty kill unit. Um, I, I know that there have been there's been some talk in the Avalanche world that he's been disappointing in some ways. And Malgin? That's a, crazy. No, yeah. Oh, no, O'Connor. 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 If you yeah, want for a game to be like, hey, dude, get your game back together, fine. But I don't really know why you would want to. 
I, I don't. I haven't had any problem with his game. He's exactly who he's always been. Yeah, he's he, he's not ever been a guy who's like all over the score sheet. So I w- I'm with you. I don't really know what people are expecting from him other than what he's been giving, which is just like a guy who's always been hard on the puck, first to the loose pucks, and good on the penalty kill. It's funny because yeah. he reminds me like of another guy who seems to have learned a lot from Calvert in his time exposed to Calvert. So I think as long as that component in his game is there, I, don't, I think you guys are right. He'll probably stick around in the lineup. So that kind of just leaves – like you said, Malgin and Nieto. Um, Nieto's got the experience, but Malgin has the production right now. Evan, what you got for me? Yeah, I was going to say you you mentioned a great point about you know maybe fitting a system or like or like matchups. Right. Matchups. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, because we saw that last year with Newhook, he set out the first what was it three games yeah. of that mm-hmm. Predator series. Right. So I remember walking into the building for game one. And seeing on my phone that new hook was scratched, and I was like, "Huh? Yeah. What? Why?" <laughs> uh, so, and you know, it, it worked. I mean, you swept Nashville. Now, then again, it was Nashville. But right. then again, you never know. You make a good point about that, though. But you know, I'm I'm in the same boat as Ezra. I don't know why you would scratch him unless it is for that matchup's sake. But then again, yeah. I'm not an NHL head coach, so here yeah. we are. <laughs> well, well, that kind of segues nicely into our live poll of the week, which is centered around kind of the success we've seen Dennis Malgan have in this 25 games with the avalanche. He has eight points, six goals and two assists. Um, I posed the question on Twitter, uh, which unexpected player performance has been the most surprising to you. And the choices were Evan Rodriguez, who has 30 points in 53 games played JT Comfer, who has 42 points in 64 games, Dennis Malgan with the eight and 25, as I previously mentioned. And then I left an other, write-in option for fans uh, let me look and see currently what everything's sitting at but while i do that jacob what's your vote on this poll um i mean mulligan i think is probably like the correct answer just because the expectations are basically zero you know they, they yeah. got him for practically free and so getting this this kind of goal scoring uh contribution is, is pretty surprising but at least for me personally i like i go with jt comfort you know if, you pull up some old episodes from earlier this year of, of this podcast. You'll see me seriously doubting whether or not he's an actual two C. You know, I always used to say that yeah. you know, I feel great about Comfort if he's your three C, but I don't know about him at two C. But now, like I'm, I'm convinced. I think he's he's a legit two, you know, two C in this league. He's a good two way forward. You know, basically he's doing a little bit better than the production that Kadri had before his breakout breakout year. Like that's yep. legitimate second line center. Yeah, and. Uh... That's coincidentally how the fans are voting right now. We got 181 votes. JT Comfort leading the way with 59% of the vote. So pretty strong margin given the fact that there's four options. Uh, Ezra, can you expand on that? Do you agree with the answer? I do. I do. I, I also voted for, for JT on that. I think it's it's not even the production so much as it is the consistency because he's always been capable of putting up stats like this. Sorry, I was on my phone. Um, he's okay, always it's breaking capable. news. <laughs> he's always been capable, but um, but you know we've seen stretches of it, but we've seen stretches of really bad play. And I think with JT, he's eliminated those stretches of bad play. He's currently in a five-game goalless streak, uh, score, yeah. score, I should say, which is probably his worst of the season. I haven't looked to confirm that, but but he's been making a difference in other ways, and he's really found a way to be effective at that two C position, whether he's scoring or not while putting together his highest scoring season of his career. So that's, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I pretty much, you guys all know this and the rest of the world does. I've always thought JT was a little bit better than people had given him credit for. And and it is based mostly on the fact of the, his play stylistically and how he'd grown within that role, um, playing a lot of three and four C earlier on in his career with the avalanche. So, I agree with you. I think it's interesting that you mentioned he's right on pace with where Kadri was before he had his breakout year, because that leads me to my next question. All three of the options are guys who are on expiring contracts this year. Which of the three, if all of, if not all of the three, would you bring back, Jacob? Uh, I mean, the question really boils down to me, like, what is the term on, on Comfer? Because the, the issue with Comfer, you know, obviously you say we, we're signed the best player. 
is they have Devontae's and Miko Rottenen coming up. And if you give Comfort too much, that might mean that they don't have enough money for Tays, and he's certainly gone. I know a lot of people are expecting Tays to be gone, but I don't. I think that's far from a certainty at this point. Okay. But if they sign JT Comfort, I think it does become a lot more certain because Comfort's you know, played his, himself into a pretty big payday. Yeah. And so for me, it, it might be a guy like Mulgan because you could probably re- re-sign him for cheap you know, use them as, as bottom six reinforcements and go and try and, you know, find another $2 million a year Evan Rodriguez type this, this offseason. Evan, what do you think? Hmm. It's, it's definitely a tough choice because I'm, I'm big on Morgan. I voted for him in the poll and it's actually convenient timing. I bet you, you probably checked our back end site and I saw I had a piece about Dennis Morgan. I didn't, but I did. I saw Whoa. it after the fact and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Well, there you go. So I agree with Jacob though. Like he Malcolm definitely be the easier one, I feel like. And yeah. you know, he's on a league minimum seven fifty K right now contract. And, you know, I feel like Mulgan would be at best asking for maybe a mil, a little over a mil. But then again, I know you, you mentioned Taves, um, Jacob, and I know that kind of the the big talking point has been, oh, Sean Barons will then be ready to come right in and replace, you know, Devon Taves. Barons I know he's been hurt this year at DU, so I don't know how well that statement could be true, I guess. Um, so then it's really, where do you go for defensive pairings afterwards? And of course, EJ may retire at the end of this year, at the end of his long contract. So who really knows? Um, like, I would love to have Comfer, um, but it could be like a same cadre kind of scenario where, um, you know, you lose, you lose him just because he's earned that payday. But I don't know. I'll say Mulligan and Rodriguez. And they they re-signed those two. I say Rodriguez maybe a little bit higher than what he's at now, and then Mulligan, same thing. So, yeah, I, I I agree with all of you in terms of your thoughts on like the context of the situation. I wonder if JT Comfer's role is more valuable to this team than Devontae's is in, in just in the big picture. And I wonder based on what you guys have just told me if that's the choice really. Because Malgin, like you said, you can bring him back on a pretty affordable basis on a shorter term. Um, probably Evan might be a little more pricey. Um, he would be. Uh, but I think you could still find a way to fit him into the budget. There, Therein lies, though, the JTC and Devontae's debacle because they can't both get a share of what's left. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that that math quite adds up. So, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I would love to have JT back. If, if we can find a – what's his current cap hit? Isn't it like simple flat? 3.5 yeah okay 3.5 i mean he's probably coming in at what do you think six seven five five i was yeah. gonna say five yeah. who, who was whose contract did i compare him to not too long ago it oh, was that's strom was it strom no. i think it was strom yeah strom I mean, was a recent contract i know i remember we talked about him in comparison to jt when he's yeah. yeah so I was, I was thinking like that that is probably a good like perspective that you can look at like oh that could possibly be what jt is going to be looking for right on the other um, hand, though, what's Tay's going to get? Eight? Nine? Yeah, he's going to get a – he would get a lot. I feel and, that, like. and, like, I'm not saying he's not good because he is, but is that where he's really valued at? Or is that yeah, where I the market's, marketplace is placing him in terms say, of – Well, look, look at who he's playing with. He's playing with Kale yeah. freaking Makar. And yeah. Makar has – you know, he's said it time and time again. Devontae's is the most underrated defender in the NHL just because – he could keep up with Makar and, you know, they're really great partners with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Plus like the, the issue with trying to figure out exactly what he should be paid is it's 2024 when he comes up and the cap might jump a little bit more. And so maybe that, you know, affects his valuation. Like that's the, the tricky part with figuring out contracts right now is that like, you know, in the current context of the cap, Nathan McKinnon's new new deal looks like a, a big, pretty expensive deal. But, you know, like three, four years from now, if the cap does what everyone's expecting it to, that's going to look really reasonable again. And so, like, maybe they do have extra room if they structure these contracts, right, to have both Comfer and Taze. Like, a lot of it just does depend on on what the cap is doing. We know it's going to be a million dollars more next year, but after that is is the expectation for it to really start to jump. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, what do you think, Evan? I mean, the the cap obviously does play a huge part of this. I mean, if it if it jumps up, you know, um, right. two mil two million dollars in four years, that it'll be definitely it'll help the ads at least on that front. Um, I'm trying to think of who else you have to worry about in the future. You've got, 
you Miko know, the year after Hanero. Miko. Yeah, Miko. Who's yeah. after Miko? We're going to have... Not much after Not that. much, Not really. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Gerard, like, a few but years it does, later. It does really hinge on what happens with New Hook and Byram, you know? Yeah. yeah. If those guys progress the way that we want them to, then they take those big money deals that we're talking about for Conqueror and Taves. Um, but counting on Byram to be Taves seemed like a reasonable thing to do like a month ago, but his play recently, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think he has that ceiling, but he's been pretty rough defensively lately. So he's got, he's got a ways to go before he's making that money. And this is a good time for us to touch a little bit on what we saw from uh, Gabe Landeskog today and some video courtesy of Evan Rawal. And, and I think uh, Brennan was out there too. Um, I have the video right here. It looks, and this is kind of what they were communicating, is that it looks like he's, and I quote Evan, he remembered how to skate again. Um, <laughs> because he's he's kind of, he's definitely got a more natural gait to it, and he's definitely testing out his edges in a way that he hasn't up to this point in his recovery. Uh, Jacob, does this excite you, or does this make you feel like he's still pretty far out? No, this excites me. I, you know, every video of him that we've seen the last, you know, m- month or so, basically since he first hit the ice, he's putting more and more pressure on his knees and, you know, just really testing out what he can and can't do right now. And I, I just really think the fact that they didn't go after a top six forward at the deadline makes them think that he is coming back for the playoffs. And yeah. so like that combined with every video that we see, he's getting, you know, just stronger and faster and more, looking more like a hockey player. You know, I, I'm going to remain encouraged until there's bad news. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Ezra, do you have anything to add? Yeah, that's such a good point, uh, Jacob, because really they did tell us what, they're thinking about the injuries with what they traded for, which is just a goalie. So Frankie's maybe the most concerning injury right now. Um, uh, Johnson's ahead of schedule. Landis Cog's obviously behind schedule, but on his way back. And we'll see what happens with Manson. That was, that was a last minute surprise. So it's hard to judge based on that. But seeing him skate like that, man. Well, I it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and coincidentally, like if we're going by the logic that you guys are talking about with how they acquired players and what that means about injuries, then that probably means the same for the defensive group, right? Like they're counting another defender that mm-hmm. us fans weren't at the deadline, which it seems more and more like that person is Eric Johnson. Um, he's been skating pretty hard in the videos we've seen. He looks like he's pretty much good to go, but the, the I think the the verbiage used was they're waiting on x-rays, which is hilarious because I think it takes like two seconds for a doctor to glance <laughs> at an x-ray these days. But um, Evan, what is your thought on the EJ situation? And, and do you think we're onto something in, in terms of not acquiring guys because they think these other dudes are coming back? Yeah, I mean, especially for, for EJ's sake, because I know that that was the big talking point was – that, oh, he has a broken ankle. He's going to be out for two months. You know, put him on LTIR. You know, this is only a couple days before the trade deadline. Put him on LTIR. We've got money now, and let's go get somebody, right? Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, is that, you know, you know, I've seen it, you know, in our comments, in our Twitter replies. Like, why didn't the Avs make any moves at the deadline? Because they had no freaking assets to make it happen. Yeah. They, have, they have the money. Absolutely, they had the money. You could probably bring in somebody from – Landis Goggs contract alone and one or two guys and have that for March. And then, right. you know, at this point, probably with Landy's status, he would be here beginning of April, middle of April, right when the playoffs are about to start. So then you could just have him rest up even more before the playoffs start. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't make moves because no, it would have been a, they it would, assets. Yeah, it would have been a fleecing in in favor of the Avalanche. So basically, yeah. we, it was a matter of trying to get other teams to agree to being to giving up lopsided trades. Exactly. That's, what are we doing and, here? And That's, I almost I almost yeah, wonder too. What's yeah. that, Jacob? I'm sorry. Look what Hurdle went for. The Avs literally couldn't make that trade. Yeah, exactly. Like the Avs had no possible. assets. Yeah. They had no assets. They had the money, but no assets. And I almost wonder too if the Avs were you know calling and you know, trying to see what moves they could make with the limited assets that they had. I wonder if teams were also asking about the cap hit for the Avs and like, is Eric Johnson really going to be out for that long? Is he really going to be out until the start of the playoffs, you know? So that's also something to consider. So I'm, I'm happy though that EJ is, you know, coming back at least it seems like a whole lot sooner than most everybody thought. So that's, 
that's definitely nice. And we're going to get the Johnson and Johnson pairing again. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. This was, this was Chris McFarlane on trade deadline day. Price is wrong, bitch. Uh, but yeah so i i i agree with you i think it doesn't make sense that there's just not the assets for the abs to have made any moves and and i'm glad that we're starting to see the thought process come to life as these guys seem to be getting healthier and i think that'll reassure some of the fans that are a little bit more i don't know know. unsure at all times i guess but I, I'm I'm optimistic, especially for the fact that like you know, like Jacob and and you mentioned too, Evan, like the timing for Landis Gog, it, it's going to be pretty good. Um, depending on how he is in terms of game shape, it could be really good. Like if he gets out there and for whatever reason he's been hitting it hard on the bike and it just works, his heart's going. Um, then what we're going to see a pretty good Landis Gog. I'll say this: I bet you in the first two games he goes off, and then he'll get the adrenaline dump. And it'll be like, oh, this is why this is hard. I totally forgot. So uh, that'll that's that's kind of that's opt- uh, like you know, like I said, I'm optimistic and I'm happy to see Linus Gog skating a little better. And if you saw in the video, he was also waving to one of the the children that were watching in the family sports center. So he's also in good spirits, it seems like, which is positive news uh, for Avalanche fans. Um, that kind of leads us into our next segment, where I want to talk a little bit about. Some of the games coming up on the road trip for the Avalanche, starting with the Montreal Canadiens tonight in Montreal, of course, because I already said it was a road trip. But um, <laughs> Ezra, how do you see this matchup shaking up? I know uh, Canadians are kind of seemingly a, an inferior opponent. Um, is it safe to say that the Avs have like three games like that where they play teams that are kind of bottom barrel teams? Is it safe to say they need to get all six points in those three games? I mean, yeah, I think so. I think I think yeah, anytime you have an opportunity to rack up points against teams that aren't playoff competitive, you need them. Um, the Western Conference games are are more important, frankly, yeah. to keep other Western Conference teams down. But but yeah, I, I think they need those points. And I think the matchup with Montreal, I mean, it's a lot like the Arizona game potentially, where they have one line of good young players who can make something happen potentially, um, but then they're mostly just guys who are in the way. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, but Arizona was very effective at being in the way, you know, the Avalanche <laughs> that game and couldn't put the puck in the net. So what do you do? Um, they have to limit mistakes and they, and that the third period in Arizona was incredible. If they can hold the team to zero shots, I think they'll be okay. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's unlikely, you know, and, and they have to make sure they avoid the dumb mistakes that like McKinnon made on that second goal where he just completely didn't track somebody. You, you have to be sound defensively, even against bad teams. That's, that's what I'm looking for in this game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll bounce that over to you, Jacob. Are you worried about this matchup similarly to kind of when we play the Yotes and they seem to give us their best look? Um, do you think we'll get we'll get the Habs best look tonight in front of the home fans? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Habs aren't a great team, and uh, like the headline is they're on a six game losing streak. But if you look at every one of these games, they're all one goal games except for yeah. the last one against New Jersey, and it's against five teams currently in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. it's very clear that even though they're struggling right now, if the Habs take a period off against Montreal tonight, like they've been likely to lately, that could be it. That could be the the difference that loses them this game. And so, mm-hmm. like I. I think that unless they play three full periods, I'm not sure they come out with all, with both points tonight. Yeah, and and Evan, you love a lot of the players for the Arizona Yotes, and is there a similar likening to any of the players on the Canadians, or are you just picking on the American low market team? Uh, I do like Nick. I do like Nick Suzuki. I feel yeah. like he's probably a good comparison to like a Clayton Keller, I guess, okay. on on Montreal, but. I mean, outside of that, it's really hard to see where they stand. I know that their rookie, what's his name? Your Slavkovsky, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know he's, I'm pretty sure he's out still with his injury. Yeah. So don't have to worry about him and, and you know, his, his skill and things like that. I think really the only thing I'm concerned about tonight is just don't get goalied. Especially because yeah. it's Jake Allen. Like yeah. Jake Allen has struggled. Sub nine hundred save percentage yeah. and like three three and some goals against Abbott. Exactly. So, yeah. so like if we get goalied by Jake Allen like we did for by Connor Ingram for the second time <laughs> in the span of a year, then I'll be like, What the heck, guys? So 
uh, just don't get goalie, please. That's all yeah. I ask. Just finish finish the chances, finish them off when you can. Ezra, um, are you worried about today. getting goalied? I mean, always. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it always seems to happen with the Avs, and I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they made Connor Ingram look pretty good last night. Just the way that everything was was bouncing, it was hitting him and then bouncing right to somebody to clear it. It wasn't really like the Avs playing poorly is not what I mean when I say they made the Ingram look good. But I don't think he was like outstanding. He just all the bounces went his way um, all night. And well, they had yeah. like seventeen empty nets, and, and they just kept going over the top of the bar. And I was like. I don't even know why you guys are trying for the top shelf right now. Just put the puck into the net. Right. It was it was so frustrating. <laughs> but uh but yeah, Jake Allen's not very good, so uh you know <laughs> it, it shouldn't happen again, but we'll see. I mean he's been above average for most of his career, but now he's he's below below average, I'd say. So um still I don't know, he's still solid. But I do want to add to players on, on of the Canadians who are worth watching. Yeah. They, they have Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield who, you know, good young players that could be something. Caulfield obviously went to Wisconsin, so I'm a fan, but, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, it is Nick Suzuki for number one for, for sure, like Evan said. We should do a weekly Badger update where you just tell us what's going on. In I don't Badgers want to talk about it. <laughs> it's not a good year to do a weekly Badger update. I guess, there hasn't so. been a good year to do a Badger update in a while. Oh, okay. okay, fair enough. Well, that'll be the segment. What's the update from Badgersville? It's not good. <laughs> uh, and Jacob, moving on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jacob, one of the pieces of uh, former Avalanche uh, prospect pool, Justin Barron, is a Canadian what do you think of his time with Montreal so far? And do you see him making an impact soon? I mean, you, if you're him, you want to make an impact tonight, right? Like, yeah. it's, even if there's, there's no hard feelings at the very, at the very least, it's a team telling you, we want, we like somebody more than you. And so mm-hmm. you want to, want to stick it to him. So I, I would expect him you know, to play well tonight. He's, he's kind of had an up and down game. Most of what I know about him is from my friends who are Canadians fans. And so, you know, they yeah. can be a little emotional. So I wouldn't, I don't know <laughs> if I have like the, you know, the, uh, most accurate information but it, it does seem like every month people up in montreal have a new opinion on him which is, <laughs> is generally like that comes with the territory of a, yeah. of a young defenseman you know they take longer to develop than, than other other positions and so i think eventually he will you know find the consistency in his game that was always kind of the you know his hype as a prospect is that for a young guy he's a lot more consistent than, than you would expect and so i would imagine eventually he, he feels it it's just you know for when you're playing on a bad team everybody feels like they're drowning and so you're it's very hard to to keep your game consistent. Yeah. I think that's to check if he was in the lineup, like the projected lineup on Daily Faceoff for tonight, and he's not, but also <laughs> uh, neither are Cole Caulfield or uh Kirby Doc. So never well, it's so that. good that we highlighted yeah. those three athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I that might be the case with Baron. This could be one of the yeah. months where they, they don't like him again. It's been yeah. a while since I I've heard anything from him, so I, I assume he's in the doghouse. Maybe. I will well, say I, com- I completely forgot that Baron was here, but then again, that also reminded me, and you know, looking through Twitter again this morning, that this is Lekkinen's first game back in Montreal. Yeah, she get a, a tribute. That's a big deal. Oh, he'll he'll definitely get a tribute video, hundred yeah. percent. So that that's a big deal. I mean, I remember I saw a picture on Twitter this morning um, of the you know, tiny that tiny little away locker room down yeah. there at Bell Center, mm-hmm. and it's just packed with people. That's cool. uh, surrounding Arturi Lekkinen. So I wonder what I wonder what his emotions then will be like tonight. Well, he'll probably be slightly overwhelmed by the media coverage because he's probably not used to it having left so long ago. But uh, just to kind of add to that, we, we, we don't really know who to talk about tonight for the Canadians, but we definitely know who to talk about for Wednesday night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which – kind of poses the biggest and most significant threat to the abs in the recent schedule. Um, what are you most keen on in that matchup, Jacob? Um, and kind of what do you expect from that game? Um, I mean, the thing that I'm most interested to to see, I think one of the, the underrated themes of this year has been how solid the abs have been defensively. Like we've been kind of freaking out over, uh, you know, the lack of, lack of goal scoring and, 
how they can be a little inc inconsistent, but they've played really well defensively. You know, they Bednar put together Comfort, Nachushkin, and Lekkonen on the second line. It seems like he's going to run with that for a little bit, and he liked how, how well they played defensively. And so, you know, if you want to try to measure how good your team defense is, Toronto is about as good of a challenge as, yeah. as you're going to have. And so, you know, as interesting as that game is, you know, a lot, a lot of people will hype it up. It's Matthews versus McKinnon. This is, could be like a six to five game. If the Abs win that game like three to one, I am I am going to be so optimistic about you know where where they're they're headed because this is about as big of a, a test as they're going to get the rest of the way. Yeah, and the and the big the big guys on uh, like NHL Network, Sirius Satellite Radio, they are like really about how the East is just far superior than the West. But like like we've always said, like I don't think that matters. Because it's one series at the end of the day, so it's 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 really one. Are you better than the team in front of you when it comes down to that's that? That's problem for the East. That's not yeah, a problem for the West. exactly. So, adding to that, Evan, what do you think the chances are that like the East beats up on each other before that? And and I feel like even last year, Tampa was kind of behind the eight ball in terms of games in in as many days as the Avalanche, who swept the Western Conference Final and had plenty of rest. You see that being a factor in the playoffs. Oh, one thousand percent. The East is beating each other up. Remember, it's the it's the arms race versus the fingers race. Yeah, that Ezra coined not too long sure. ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the East is going to beat up on on one another. And you know, we talk about talk about Toronto all the time, and that they're not able to get out of the first round and things like that. I'll be genuinely concerned if they don't get out of the first round this time. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course, I want it for the meme. Want it for the meme, yeah. The He's yearly meme, seven. just yeah. like as of right now, they're playing Tampa Bay in the first round. So, I know yeah. they're doing it again, and so <laughs> you know, I it'll be definitely interesting to see how Colorado faces up and defensively too. That's a really great point, Jacob, that you made about the defensive aspect yeah. because of course it's all about McKinnon and, and Marner and Matthews and all scores. Yeah, exactly. So if the Abs are able to shut them down defensively, then that's that's great. And yeah. That would be a great, you know, sign of things to come because we, we've, we've seen the defensive collapses. We saw that against Dallas. They couldn't. They could not. Well, Dennis Mulligan's giveaway just is still <laughs> in my mind from that game. Yeah. Uh, so we've seen that. We've seen, you know, recently. I mean, even Coyotes. McKinnon lost track of him. Seattle. McKinnon lost the puck behind the net. Give Seattle a tying goal with two minutes left. So if they're able to clean it up defensively against a really hot offensive team. And I'm I'm really looking forward to the last you know month of the season if they can do that for yeah, every well, team that they play. They seem to end their last contest with a focus on defense, giving up zero shots after like late in the second period, none in the third, and none in overtime. So that does does seem to be the focus for the Avalanche right now. And uh, Ezra, if the Avs do win the Stanley Cup this year. I'm going to draw a T-shirt that's two fingers holding up a Stanley Cup, and it's going to say "Fingers Cup Champions," but our fingers race champions. But uh, you know, if you saw Marner's goal a couple of nights ago, he's got really slick hands, and we've been talking about the Avs performing well defensively. How big of a game is that for um, Alexander Gorgiev in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a it's a huge test for him. I've, Especially if the Avs uh, don't defend super well, uh, then then it'll be an even bigger test for him. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean he hasn't had to face shooters of uh, the Matthews Marner caliber that frequently yeah. recently. So um, yeah, that'd be a huge test for him. And I you know I think he he's played those guys enough uh, as a New York Ranger that he he's probably familiar with them to some extent. But um, but yeah, that's always going to be a big test. Well, yeah, and anytime you play a team with the firepower like the Leafs, like the penalty kill is going to be uh, something. And, and and by that I mean don't kill very many penalties. Like stay out of the penalty box. Um, when, when the Avs are on these trips, it seems like they have a little more success, um, at least in this era of success. Um, do you, what, what do you attribute that to, Jacob? Is it just kind of like – they have a, a tight knit group and they seem to like fall back on each other when they're away from home. Yeah. I remember they've, they've talked about this a little bit before about how they really do enjoy road, road trips together. They do see it as a, as a time uh, for bonding that, 
you know, when they talked about how at, at home, you know, you leave a game and you just all kind of all go back to your respect, your respective homes. But when you're on the road, it's like, hey, let's, you know, I'll take the whole team out to dinner. And so there's just like a, a more of a sense of camaraderie, it, it seems, on a lot of the, these road trips where everyone is kind of on the same agenda. Whereas at home, you know, you've got a million different things that you've mm. got to take care of yourself. Whereas, the, you know, road trips it's simplified a bit. Yeah. And that's funny because it kind of speaks to a little bit of the rhetoric around why the Avs felt more comfortable in game six of the Stanley Cup final than they did in game five of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Evan, do you think that it's just because they're allowed to focus more on the hockey itself when they're on the road? I guess so. Uh, you know, there's less distractions probably. Um, not, you if well, not if you're in. Well, not if you're in. Besides that, Pat, yeah. of course. And probably Mulgan, too, on Wednesday yeah. night when he's in Toronto. But, True. you know, I, I think there's definitely that aspect. There's the camaraderie aspect. Um, you you can go home and you don't have to worry about, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, doing the dishes, I guess, or something yeah. like that, you know. You don't, have, you don't have to change the diapers. Like, you don't have yeah. to worry about that. You can you, – you can go home and you can go, you can go back to the hotel and do whatever you need. You can be like Georgiev and, you know, just bring read. a bunch of books to read, yeah. you know, things like that. So the Harry Potter uh, guy. I know. Good. Good for him. Good for yeah. him. I like it. I like it. He, he probably captured a lot of people's hearts. Exactly. I wonder what his favorite Harry Potter book is. And that's the only that's a question you only get if you have that article floating out there in the world. Um, yeah, at, I know. That'd be a good question to ask. Yeah. Um, so. I, I feel like we can just kind of open it up and see if you guys have anything you guys wanted to talk about. Um, I'll start with you, Ezra. Is there anything kind of pressing for you that, that we haven't touched on yet? Um, anything pressing? I mean, I, I do want to touch on Byram a little bit. I feel like okay. defensive, defensively, he's been really struggling. Uh, you know, the, the, it's been we, – we have such high hopes for him, and I think that they're right, and I think he, he will become the player that, that – everybody wants him to be but but this uh last stretch of games has been real rough what i mean he's been caught out of position like a number of times he's falling on goals he's he's all over the place a little bit i think he i heard a stat the other day that uh he gives up the most high danger chances on the team uh by like a long margin Uh, he has given up the most high danger chances on the team by, by a big margin um yeah i'm just curious what do you guys think about that what have you seen um, Greg Carville, the UMass hockey coach, repping UMass today, uh, has actually nice. talked about this with um, with puck moving defensemen who, who skate really well. The one of the things he kind of has to teach them is to not over skate too much. So that essentially they they just get it into their their heads that you know they can skate to wherever you know wherever they they need to be. Where a lot of it is, you know, you kind of want to glide is, I think, the word that he used to to whatever position you're in, and then you know then if you're in in recovery mode lean on your skating ability, but he's talked about how for, for guys who are really elite skaters, that it's, it's kind of difficult to train them, you know, to think, I don't have to like really, you know, chug my, my legs every, every single time, maybe just a couple strides gets me to where I, I need to be. And then I can use my stick. You know, that's what makes Devontae so masterful is mm-hmm. that he is able to, you know, just create this big giant buffer zone around him with his positioning and, and his stick work. And I think that's, you know, Byron would do well to learn a lot from from how how Taze defends because he you know he doesn't Ezra you're right like I said he's falling all over he's scrambling all over the place and I think a lot of that is just the game is sped up he's making mistakes which you know speeds up your game even more and then you just kind of lean on what you know best which for for him is a skating ability. Evan, what do you think of that? I didn't even realize that his his. What was the stat again? Good lord! This is what high happens. danger chances. High, high danger chances. This is what happens when you're on spring break, and it's just woo. Yeah, anyway. uh, that's for yeah. real. I'm surprised you don't have a beer in your hand, even though I know that's not legal on YouTube. But what are we doing here? It's spring break, <laughs> man. I'm surprised. I'm surprised though to hear that from, from Byram. Um, and that I think that also makes me question. Um, you know, how many games has he played without Manson? Because obviously that connection between the two of them is vital, and yeah, that's really Byron was out for a long period of time, and now Manson's had two picks, two, two stretches where he's been out, um, including now. Uh, you know that probably doesn't help him at all because he's paired with he's paired with Sam Gerrard, and I feel like those two are somewhat similar, somewhat comparable when it, in terms of like the skating ability and like being able to move the puck well and things like that. Um, so when when you're trying to play defensively with 
another offensive defenseman, I guess. Oh, but then you could look at Makar and Taves doing the exact same thing. So I don't know, really, to be honest. I think yeah. it's just kind of that that chemistry and partnership that Byram has with Manson um, that he's been missing, you know, for probably a good chunk of the season. Um, cool. So I'd be interested to see kind of how what Byram's numbers are with Manson, what they are without Manson. Yeah, we'll look, we'll look into that. We'll talk about it next week. That's a good thing to check out. I find yeah. it interesting that – fans are a lot more forgiving for a guy like Bowen Byram than they are for a guy like Sam Gerrard because you wouldn't know that Bowen Byram was leading the team in terms of giving up high danger chances based on how people talk about him online. Um, But you would think that that's Sam Gerrard's statistic based on how they talk about him online. So um, (laughs) that's kind of interesting. Jacob, I'll give you the floor. Is there anything anything else you wanted to touch on? I mean, I think we can return to the discussion of a playoff lineup because, like, yeah. for good reason, the focus has been on the bottom six because that seems to be where the most moving parts are. Someone's got to sit. Um, the top six, I think, is really interesting, too, because that's unsettled. You know, does Miko, mm-hmm. like, with Landy back, do they put the top big line back together and right. go with, you know, Comfort and Shushkin and Lekkonen, or do they, they split the big big guys up? Um, that's a good question, especially, like you said, the top six, that's going to be a a balancing act. And I bet Bednar is pretty, um, liberal with how he, how he kind of changes things up there. Cause I feel like what we've learned from Landis Gog's absence is that the top six is pretty good, even without Landis Gog. Mm -hmm. So if you can find a way, even, even to put, like my thing is, is is Landis Cog stylistically more suited for a third center type of role um, or third line type of role? Maybe not minutes wise, but also maybe minutes wise if he's coming back from being out the entire season. So it's like you also don't even know it might not change at all. What do you think, Ezra? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think um, when I was thinking about him coming back, you know, in the season, I was thinking, well, working back into the lineup next to new hook uh, as yeah. a third line. I think that makes sense. You know, let him, let him get his legs back. But if he's jumping right back in, in the playoffs, I do think you want to put him in the most comfortable position okay. uh, to succeed, which is next to McKinnon and Ranson. And so I, I think that it's nice to have those options. Uh, if he comes back before the playoffs start, I think it would make a lot of sense to, to see what uh, a new hook uh, uh, Landis duo with, with, you know, Mulgan or whoever uh, on the right wing, uh, could look like um, to give you a kind of like a a more offensive minded third third line. Uh, I think that I think that's interesting, but it all depends really on how Rodriguez does as a top line winger. If that's where he's going to stay, if they want to keep McKinnon and Ranson together with Rodriguez, that, and that works, then that gives them more flexibility with where to put Landeskog. But if that doesn't work, if Rodriguez does need to be the guy who comes down the lineup, then you know, then there you go. <laughs> That'll yeah. Be what do you think of that, Jacob? Uh, I know you started the conversation. What do you yeah. think of, of Landis Scott? Landis Scott. Uh, I, I do kind of like the idea of easing him back in if it's in the regular season, but if it's in the playoffs, I think you just got to kind of say, you know, yeah. top six, it's top six, forget it. Um, yeah. You know, the one line that has always intrigued me that they don't go a lot to, but just like from a defensive perspective, Comfort, Nachushkin, and Landis Scott could really yeah. walk off. Like, that you know, that has always kind of been the second line in, in the back of my yeah. head. That, you mm-hmm. know, you put Nico and, and Nate together with Lekkinen on on the top line, and then you just send Comfort, Landeskog, and Nachushkin out to just destroy every you know every other mm-hmm. team's top line. Like that could be, I think, a real difference maker in the playoffs. I think that's where I would like to see him most. But like, if they put the big line back together and it starts working, you know, you can't. It's hard to argue that that's the wrong call. Yeah, I wonder if sometimes that big line success is a detriment to the balance of the lineup, as weird as that sounds. But like, if 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 you, sometimes you do need to spread the the styles a little bit better. I, I do though. Like, I'm the same way. That second line sounds just absolutely nasty. Like yeah. the like chasing down Lekkinen and McKinnon and Rantanen, mm-hmm. and then being on the end of a shift and they got one off on you, and now it's the second line coming out with fresh legs and you're dying and it's Valer Nachushkin barreling yeah. in on you, uh, and then they just pin you in the corner and cycle yeah. you to death. I mean, like it is it's a nightmare. Yeah, I think I just think it's a great compliment to what could be like a really high speed go 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 top top line, and like mm-hmm. would be a really great way to wear teams down over the course of seven games. Yeah, and then the third line. You could basically make that your best pen- penalty killing group 
best defensive group. And then your fourth line is your grinder group. And there you go. So I feel like the lineup is shaping up to 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 be pretty balanced in in especially in comparison to what we kind of thought heading into this time of year with the injuries on the table. Evan, is there anything about what we've talked about lineup wise that you see differently? No, I I love that second line that Jacob. You know, I I was going to mention that too. Is that that second line would be great because when you look back at the playoffs last year. I don't remember them running that big line a lot, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. I did. Yeah. I don't remember them running it that often. And as we've seen, you know, already both through injury and through trial and error, that Bednar will shake up that top six. Like Evan Rodriguez has played on the first line, and he also played on the fourth line this year. He's been everywhere, right? So, you know, maybe he could roll with Evan Rodriguez on the second line or on the first line. Who knows? but yeah, that top six, I feel like of like of a, of a Lekkinen, McKinnon, Brantnen, and then Landis Scott, Nichushkin, that'd be an incredible top six. Um, but then again, I also would not be surprised if Bednar kind of switched things up if he could go with that big line just mm-hmm. to put them back together and see how they do. Um, I mean, I don't think that would happen right out of the gate, right right after Landis is coming back from injury. I think he'd have to he'd need at least a week of game action. I feel like before he gets that big big time play on the first line um, with that, with the big group. So um, I, I think there's not really, it's hard to predict, right? Because we were like this last year too, of like, Oh, okay. You know, how, how is his lineup going to be for game three of the Stanley cup finals? You know, you know, yeah. this, this works so well in game two, but is he going to keep going with it in same game three or is he going to keep switching it up? You know, so on and so forth. And so, you know, he has the same group of guys, but he's all going to, He's going to use them differently, I feel like, on a nightly basis sometimes, it feels like, at points. Yeah, it's, it's usually the adjustments he makes from game to game, right, to see mm-hmm. kind of what's working, what's not. And then, like we saw a lot in the first round, first couple rounds, not a lot changed. Um, maybe after, like, game five against St. Louis, we saw a little bit of a shakeup, but even then it wasn't very much. Things were pretty consistent. Um, we kind of just saw guys in the bottom six kind of shuffle places but the top six was pretty pretty consistent in its in its structure and I wouldn't be surprised if that's very much the same um this postseason mostly because I think once it gets into that time of year it's really about cohesiveness and familiarity and you want to you want to be able to look to your left and right and have the same guy there and and be able to play on the minutiae of of each person's game in a way that benefits the outcome and and your overall team you know so I I I don't think that the Avs are in as much trouble as even the national media likes to portray them right now. So times are looking good in my opinion. Um, speaking of national news, it seems like they're having a GM meeting or GM meetings this week. Um, some of the things that have been brought to the table are, are mostly like rules based. They've talked about mm-hmm. maybe uh, increasing the penalty for instigating. Uh, they've talked about, <laughs> furthering the review for high sticks um and by that i mean they're expanding that to even minors because right now it's only majors can be reviewed um so they could review a minor and their focus is friendly fire high sticks so like if you're in a collision mckinnon's play for example last year when he got smoked and his own stick broke his face um that would have not been a penalty in this situation and then another thing um they were talking about is imposing possible equipment changes based on some players getting injured via lacerations, like we saw with Evander Kane. Um, and then last year there was a couple, a couple of those as well. Are any of those things, do you, do you all have any opinions on any of those things? The laceration will be interesting because Landis Gog had that, I mean, it was announced in his whole injury list debacle, I guess that was announced earlier this week was that, he got cut by his gate and his, on his eye in the bubble playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how that would how that would work. I, I always wonder with equipment, it's just like the players kind of say have the final say, right? And it's like, no, dude, I'm not gonna wear that Kevlar on my wrist. You know, yeah. that might that might that might be the the end of the discussion. What do you think, Jacob? I mean, we basically went through this already with visors, is that you know when the first yeah. said that they were gonna be mandatory, there's a huge pushback across the league. You know, there's still some players who are grandfathered into to not wearing a visor. And so like I'd imagine that it'll unfold the same where, you know, they say we gotta, you know, 
do this to, to help the, the safety of the game. You'll have a bunch of players say, you know, I'm not playing any differently from how I've ever played. And then after a while, I realized like, oh, right, it's good, like not having, you know, your wrist slicer. It's good not having your eye poke, poked out with a stick. Yeah. Like the, these things are, are helpful. It just takes a while to get adjusted to. You know, hockey players are just, they're very stubborn creatures. They're creatures of, of routine. And so anytime you mess with that routine, like you're, you're bound to, to get some pushback. Yeah. Ezra, do you agree with that? Do you think it's kind of going to be one of those situations? Completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, like Rantanen already wears them, uh, uh, those wrist parts he's got, and a lot of players do. uh, And and I think it's, it makes sense to to mandate a little bit extra player safety. Definitely. Yeah. And then kind of on top of that, I like the addition of being able to review even minor high sticks, because I think that that's such a hard infraction to see, for what it is in real time, especially for refs who like just kind of don't have a chance. Usually what you see and react to is a guy snapping his head back, right? It's not even really the contact with the stick. So giving them a little bit more of a, of a reach during those reviews, I think will benefit the game. I know it's like everybody says it's a slippery slope. You don't want to stop the game and and take too long, but I feel like this is a necessary uh, stoppage. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it should be theoretically it should be a quick review if you got hit with, with your own stick, right? Like yeah. a, a lot of times, what what happens with it is you know some guy's trying to lift your stick and you're battling, and then two sticks go up in the air and the ref can't really see which which one it is, and so you know you look at a video for 10, 15 seconds. You know, I, I like I am in, universally opposed to review in the sense that like I think it degrades the game and it forces. Uh, referees to make calls that they normally wouldn't make to lean on review, but you're starting to see across sports getting a lot quicker, like football, especially the last, like, which has been, I think the worst offender while review a lot faster lately. And like, and it, you know, the NHL, I think is is pretty cognizant of it. And so something like height, you know, seeing which stick hits your face, that shouldn't necessitate a, a really long review. You know, that's not like trying to determine goalie contact and then intent and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and if it go- just goes to Toronto to do it, like the ref makes the call, and before they even get to the bench, Toronto's already like, "Yeah, that was right," or "Yeah, no, that was wrong." Then I think good. that that's yeah. nice and simple, yeah. and it should be that easy. It really should be that easy. But uh, there's also always the possibility that they're like, "We're going to let the refs make their own decisions," so the refs have to skate to the bench, yeah, the box, get the monitor, get the whole thing, and it could really slow things down if they're stupid about it. So. We'll see. I, I don't really count on the NHL to make the right decision ever, so probably, <laughs> probably going to be the bad one. But um, but uh, but I do think it's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I, I I'm I'd be curious to see what actually goes from like being on the table to being taken seriously because there's a lot of traditional people still in in management in the NHL, and I think Definitely. I think that the majority of of general managers are a little more conservative in terms of the way the game has changed via review and TV and all that stuff, then I think they even let on to the public. Um, But that kind of leads us to the final segment of the day where I just kind of want to get some fun and bold predictions from the three of you. Who's ready? Because I always ask the person who's not ready. Evan, you're ready. All right, Evan, you can go first. I also mostly just don't want Ezra to take my prediction. No, I, I, it, I knew when you were going to ask about bold predictions. I already had this one locked up. We already talked about this guy uh, today, and we've already talked. I, we've already talked about you know how surprisingly good he's been as of late, and yes. how I have a piece coming out on t- Tuesday uh, as of this recording about him, Dennis okay. Mulligan. Nice. He gets two goals against the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> he gets he gets two goals against his former team in Toronto. That was Doc. That was Doc Brown saying one point twenty one gigawatts. All right, I'll, I'd like to see it because if he if he does it, that that'll just bolster the 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 heat and the traction exactly. of your article, baby. So oh, let's totally let's hope Morgan just hat trick. Why not? That's my bold <laughs> prediction. I'll say it here, Morgan hat trick because. That'd be fun, right? To pretend That's like I knew that was going to happen. I thought uh, two was bold, and then you went for a hat trick. Yeah, Holy well, cow! Well, I just I'll to... take four goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he scores no. every Avalanche goal for the remainder of the season. <laughs> Who uh, needs Nathan McKinnon when you yeah. Dennis Mulligan? <laughs> yeah. All right, Jacob. What about you? Let's see. Uh, what is your bold prediction this week? Uh, my bold prediction this week is the Avs play their most complete game of the year against Toronto and keep them under three goals. I love it. That's a better's bet. That's a better's prediction too. So that's the under hitting hard 
uh, abs versus Maple yeah, Leafs. Three two, three two yeah. final, something like that. Maybe they get an empty netter. Hope you're right. Yeah, that would be a big. It would be a big notch on the belt in terms of the Avs' defensive prowess yeah. heading into the postseason. So you know, I told, they've shown flashes. Yeah, yeah, they have. The, they have. The San Jose game, like I, you know, I was at that game. That's one might be the most dominant, you know, first like thirty minutes of a game I've ever seen the Avs yeah. play. And then you know you have the third period against Arizona just now, where they you know held them to no shots, and so it's right there. Like they just they haven't put together three you know three straight periods. I kind of feel like they don't do it tonight, but I think that. Toronto, they've had that that game circled since the schedule yeah. was announced, and they'll show up for that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. I agree. Ezra, your turn. Yeah, I think uh, I want to talk about somebody we already talked about too, and that's JT Comper. He follows up this five-game score, scoreless streak with a three-game point streak. Hey, I point love game. that, especially because you gave me the opportunity We're to use this drop. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm dying to use that drop. I was actually going to use it as like a segue into the end of the show. Say like, if the Avs win tonight, you know. (laughs) And then I was thinking about using it when Evan was talking about spring break. Because I'm like, Evan, chug a beer. And then. So I, I. I, I'm just so excited that I got to use it. Now I got to use it three ways because wow, I was so excited. So that's, I had no uh, idea that was in the queue. That's amazing. Oh, uh, no, I put it in there. So please, God, don't get us, Warner Brothers. But uh, <laughs> um, but I actually don't even know if that's who made it. But anyways, um, it's a short clip. I think that, that, that works. I think we'll be FCC. okay. Um, Altitude does it all the time, but I think they are yeah. uh, registered. But hey, anyway, um, I am Adrian Hernandez. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab. Before I further incriminate my Myself. I think I will end the program. I was joined today by Ezra, Jacob, and Evan, contributors of milehighhockey.com. We will be back with you on Monday, hopefully. If not, we will inform you otherwise. And head on over to the website for everything Avalanche and follow us on Twitter. Share with your fellow Avalanche fans. We love you. Hopefully, the Avalanche beat the Canadians tonight. Um, you all have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Mile High Hockey Live. Mile High Hockey Lab. 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 It's called the